Lindsay is literally Jezebel right now. So <laughs> there's so much shoulder happening. It's Another hero really in the Bible. Like, what did she do again? Why is she like the paragon of evil? The Jezebel in me recognizes the Jezebel in you. And mm, that's, thank you. I received that. Yeah, good. And I hope we're all eaten by dogs just like she was when she died. <laughs> May that be our final resting place. <laughs> Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction from your middle-aged mom friends. I'm Lindsay, and I am what old Rush Limbaugh would call a feminazi. Just trying to usher you really into that 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 mindset. I feel Rush Limbaugh in this Chili's tonight, my friend. Thank you. And I'm Meg, and I... Yeah, I'm a feminist, but why the fuck do we have to keep talking about it? Can't we just be done and, like, everything's equal? And I'm Sarai, and I'm every woman, it's all in me, and all of the other women in the world. And Meg, the reason why we need to talk about all of this is because nothing is equal, even so. And I would like to ask you a question about something that's in the news, but not enough in the news, and I think should be all of the news, it is, have you ever heard of the Equal Rights Amendment? I have heard of it. Yeah. It's ish. Not doing, it's like, I don't know, is it really a thing yet? No, it's very much not a thing yet. Do you have any idea of the history of this particular constitutional amendment that was proposed 100 years ago? I, when, what, 100 years 100 ago? 100 years ago in 1923. No, then. 100 uh, I, years ago. I think ago. my history my history was is like from the 70s. So take us back in time. Woo, 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 woo. Okay. There we are, 1923. Alice Paul, a suffragette activist, equal rights activist, wrote the Equal Rights Amendment. The gist of this amendment is that there shall be no law made by the federal or state governments in the United States that discriminates, well, the word wasn't discriminate, you know, but that is based on sex or gender, essentially. And so what has happened is in the 70s, it was finally kind of making the rounds. What's required is 75% of states, I think. Shit, I don't know. 38, 38 or 39 states have to yeah. all ratify. agree. They have yeah. to ratify it. And that has not exactly happened because the first deadline for the ERA passing was 1982. Like in 2021, I believe, is when Congress and the Senate passed a bill to no longer require that deadline. And so it un kind of took off a deadline for the Equal Rights Amendment to pass. Just a couple days ago, Congress voted, um, and it did not pass to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment as a constitutional amendment again. 100 years later. Right. 2023. So when we talk- I mean, this is in a country that has never had a woman president. So are we, are we surprised? I mean, I'm uh, surprised because it's 2023. I'm surprised because it's been 100 years. I'm surprised because I'm a woman, I guess, in America. And right. apparently I don't have the same rights, constitutional rights, because it's, it doesn't like specifically say you as a lady with not a penis get to have rights. Yeah, or well, even you as a lady with a penis. It doesn't matter about what your genitalia right. is. It's literally like... If you're not a white man, or, you know, more generously, a man, but let's be real. Well, this country was founded by four white landowning men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. And that's it. by it until today. Uh-uh. Oh, because today. today we're taking over? Today we're going to take over. <laughs> Fuck that shit, guys. <laughs> just kidding. Wait, I, I was wondering, <laughs> were you, I was going to just ask if you were announcing that Biden had just died and Kamala Harris is now <laughs> the president, but that was not the announcement you were making? Okay. Mm, if, if No, only. That's all right. I wasn't talking about <clears throat> our, our leader of the not free world anymore, but whatever. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, that's that's that. What I think is really interesting, of course, is that, one, we have to have an amendment like that in the first place, which, of course, we fucking do. Because one thing is we're 100, ways a, 100 years away from the ERA being written and proposed, and we're one year away from when Roe v. Wade was overturned and took away free, like, not free, but, you know, better-ish access to medically needed and personally desired abortion. So women in this country have, of course, long been oppressed by the patriarchy that we all agree with. I'd say women in evangelicalism have especially extra, extra been oppressed. <laughs> yeah, the little extra, extra that we love. We got like an extra serving. Just like we had that patriarchy dollop. pie and then we mm-hmm. had an a la mode. Like it, yes, was, yes. it was the extra scoop on top of like mm-hmm. your woman. You mm-hmm. suck, sit down and shut up. I was and you know say, what? It yeah. was not. It was not vanilla bean a la mode too. It was that gross fake vanilla kind. Oh, <laughs> like the kind you buy in you like could, a five gallon bucket. Yeah, you like can't even enjoy it. That I just came up with on the spot. The analogy yeah. of patriarchy pie. I just. I love I, it. I might need to make one of those at some point. You yes. should. It would be a fuck the patriarchy pie. Yeah. yeah, of course. I think everyone. You know what? Listen, Mother's Day. All of us need to make a fuck the patriarchy pie because I think it's time for us to usher in some not archies. What if we tried that? That'd be cute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm so down. I'm for it. Let's try. I want to talk a little bit about somebody who was very influential in my young life. Somebody I actually really admired and looked up to because I was a strangely aware political child. No, just kidding. My mom taught me all of these things. And somebody had a radio show when I was a child. Um, and this somebody was the leader of what's called Concerned Women for America. Mm. Her name is Phyllis Schlafly. Anybody know Philly? Little Phil? She's dead. Not- she died. Okay. Well, may she rest in wherever she's at. Um, <laughs> if, if you're about to tell me what I you think you're about to tell me, maybe Phyllis is in the bad place. Let's just say that. Uh, I did not listen to her. So the only lady radio show that uh, ever graced my ears was old Dr. Laura. So it probably mm-hmm. equally, pro- I mean, that woman was a fun hang. So <laughs> she was really special. I do feel like I not just have heard the name, but I'm pretty sure I watched some show about women and women's rights and maybe there was a pamphlet or like a calling list that she had is this yeah did you watch mrs okay. america yes okay yeah, i did she, she features prominently in mrs america and is played by kate blanchett in that and honestly i watched that and it was just like so uh wild and interesting to me because I grew up on the like Phyllis Schlafly side of this and I loved her I thought she was rad because I always loved women who were doing something like my other folk hero as in evangelicalism was Amy Semple McPherson who mm-hmm. was like a revivalist you know and that kind of and she founded the Foursquare Church or whatever and I was like oh you can do that if you're a lady like that is <laughs> yeah, not something I thought the four squares were cool because they let women lead and it was very foreign to me my middle sister ended up going to a Foursquare Foursquare College, and I dated a Foursquare guy for a while, and I was like, well, look at you guys having a woman in a position of power. I want that. Innovation. Well, I'll let you know, I did go to a Foursquare church, and um, that did not redeem the bullshittery. <laughs> oh, no, it's a horrible institution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all evangelical churches, I'm just going to say it. Uh, if you're a woman or someone who has another marginalized identity, you should probably get the fuck out. No offense. Um, but you're in a cult. So, you could stop. You could stop that. There's yeah. lots of ways. I'll help you. We'll welcome you with open arms. <laughs> Come on over. Yeah. So those of you who are still there and those of you who do and or don't remember Phyllis Schlafly, Phyllis Schlafly did start a pamphlet kind of campaign. She was an extremely active Republican operative back in the day. She was always very active. She ran her husband's congressional campaigns. She uh, said a lot of things like, Feminism is trying to steal away women womanhood because feminists are just trying to escape the humdrum life of being a homemaker, mm. which for somebody like Phyllis Schlafly to say is amazing because she traveled all the time. She was speaking all the time. She was a trailblazing actual like 
she could have been a feminist slash probably. I mean, like, a right? little bit was, she which is why this is been. alarming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, she, she wasn't because she was always like, I'm very thankful that my husband let me be here today. Like that kind of <laughs> stuff, right? So she's also paying tribute and lip service to all of patriarchy while mm-hmm. she is fighting against the Equal Rights Amendment because somehow, man, Republicans are good at shit. Like this is Christians and Republicans, y'alls. Just please listen. You are being brainwashed constantly by the right wing. So just so you know, this is also a part of that. So she's out there fighting against the Equal Rights Amendment because she thinks that it will. She doesn't think this. She's saying it, you know, because it's a message that it will take away women's rights to be a homemaker, Mm. essentially. So Phyllis Schlafly fucking hates Betty Friedan because Betty Friedan, the author of The Feminine Mystique, was writing a book about like, literally, I'm very depressed and all these other women are very depressed. Like, what's going on? We're all capable. We're all educated. And we literally like vacuum a house all day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that sucks. I wouldn't want to do Sounds that Sounds boring. Uh-huh. <laughs> so oh, also like- dishes and laundry. I don't know. Those are just, you know, a couple extra things that never end. Sure. Those are also an endless font of delight for the homemaker. We all love that kind of stuff, you know? So when I walk around my house in my cute little sundress and my high heels with my little vacuum cleaner you know my apron on i just so cute i celebrate my womanhood by vacuuming i'm lying i hate vacuuming okay i mean so but the- when you vacuum you're doing it for the whole lord yeah okay? when your carpets are clean the lord is pleased and he will bless you as the proverbs 31 woman you are exactly and of course i'm doing it for the lord of my home which is my husband, who I'm married to and who um, I allowed to have sex with me whenever he should want it. Um, I don't have a husband and I don't do that. Just FYI. So everyone in real life can know. Yep. (laughs) Okay. I do. I have a husband and I do not do that shit. So yeah. So I think it's remarkable that we are still fighting for basically equal rights. It's a very simple amendment. It is so basic. Um, and so we are still in that in that arena, wrestling those lions and trying to figure it out. But I also will say, because it isn't something that is well published, it seems like the media hasn't picked it up that much. It's something that we have to look for. And I do want to elevate that cause because I think it's extremely important now, now especially for us to have that constitutional protection, regardless of your sex that you can have equal rights and that any law that is exploitive of or discriminatory about or toward people of any gender should not be allowed. So this is also a fun thing. When you were kids (laughs) and I was a kid, I remember listening to a lot of Christian radio, as I've mentioned here before. And also, if it's not that, it was talk radio, um, you know, on the Rush Limbaugh channel. And we had like kind of a schedule. So we'd like listen to that. And then I think Michael Medved or somebody else would come on and whatever. And then we would switch to the Christian radio station. And remember, I was homeschooled. So it was like all day long listening to this stuff, like all the way through dinner. That's when Bob Larson would come on and be creepy. And that was that was fun. Actually, love that guy. OK, so <laughs> not Bob Larson, the comic strip writer. With the cows. That was Gary Larson. Dang it. Yeah. Get it right, Meg. That's the far side, which is Bob, also Gary. my it's favorite. The- yeah. Any Larson. They're the same. They're not this. How dare you? No. <laughs> if Gary Larson was making cartoons about demons, then maybe him and Bob could be of the same milk. But they weren't. So I am curious, though, from your perspective, what did you remember hearing? Not about the Equal Rights Amendment, because no one fucking talked about that shit in my house. But what were you hearing about women and leadership or jobs or, you know, whatever? Being a woman in Christianity was always really interesting to me because I thought it it just felt like a ton of mixed messages. Uh, My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She homeschooled us. And I looked up to her. Like, in some ways, I feel like she kind of found ways to, like, tick off the church ladies. She wasn't honestly really uh, involved in the women's ministry. In fact, it was kind of always insinuated that she as the pastor's wife would lead the women's ministry and she like would refuse to. I remember she would wear a lot of funky tacky earrings to like tick people because people just my mom, they always thought she was a little wild. She was a little free spirited in some ways. Uh she loved thrifting. Like we and we like 
went to some wealthy churches and we were never wealthy. So it's weird, like the congregation's wealthy and then here's my mom just like in all of her thrifted clothes. In fact, I remember we were part of a church fashion show one time that was all these, again, wealthy women. And this is when we lived in Alaska. So they were wearing like fur coats and stuff because Whoa. in Alaska, if you have money, you wear fur because it's freaking cold. And we were the end segment to like show we wore all thrifted things. And I was like deeply embarrassed because oh. it was like, we were just poor, you know? And we wore cute stuff, but like, I was awkward. I was 10 years old. It was an awkward time in life. But yeah, I just remember like being told I could be anything and do anyone. And mm. I was so smart. My grandpa would tell me I could be the president and I was expected to get straight A's. I was valedictorian. You know, I got full ride scholarship to college, like all of these things. But then at the same time, it was like, well, you can lead the worship team and we can bring you up on stage in youth group with your boyfriend for you yeah. guys to talk together about how you're an example of sexual purity, which again, so weird. Like, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Like, just yikes. Did you? Yeah, just, I just was wondering if you got to show your chastity belt or if that was like too... <laughs> Was it like no, but I did have a purity ring that he yeah, was, gave me. Yes. I was gonna say, forget purity rings. We have chastity belts still, and mm. the locks are gorgeous, just beautiful. <laughs> you know, yeah. and your father holds the key until the day that you're betrothed. <laughs> I guess Sorry, I'm just yeah. deeply, deeply yeah. I mean, disturbed. I don't even know where to start because the messages of like what women were expected to be. I mean, I was thinking about like even biblical role models. Like when I think back to like women in the Bible that we were told and showed as examples, it's very slim. I'm like, cool, we got Ruth. We got and Mary. What was the, yeah, what was the message of Ruth? It was like, hmm. work she really hard day and night. She's obedient, right? That was the thing. She like, yeah. yeah. didn't she marry, like she married someone she didn't really want to, right? Or who was like outside of her religion. Yes, Naomi's, because, her mother-in-law of her dead husband told her to go lie with Boaz so that he would have to take her as a wife, basically. Right. Oh, happened. tricking him into. Yeah. 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 And then she and, followed wherever she shalt goeth. Yeah. And, and then, then we were there was about Esther, like, who was like the right? one. The one cool woman later that was heralded. And then we get like Mary in the New Testament and, you know. Can I back up to Esther? Because I also think Esther is an interesting story that I always liked her. And I also really was like, I don't, I still don't get it. Like, what's so wrong with Vashti? Remember the king's first wife and he like banished her or some shit because she like didn't want a sexy dance for him or something like that. Oh, what yeah. happened in that story too, where yeah. it's, it, literally every story, even if there is like a hero, she right. is in relation to a man in right. some yes. way. Even yep. Esther. And Esther is sort of held up as like, oh, for such a time as this. She was placed upon this earth and now she's doing all these amazing whatevers for Jewish Judaism or whatever. I don't. I mean, I don't honestly even know because we were taught the Bible in such a weird way <laughs> where we just appropriated entirely a whole other religion and then made our own up out of it. Um, so yeah, I think that part of Esther is also really important to me is like, what happened to the other women in these stories? Like they're, mm -hmm. they're thrown away, they're shamed, they're gross. It's, you know, every woman that's rejected is rejected rightfully. And there's no questioning of whether that was ethical or right or okay. No, like think of, I think about like Bathsheba. Get and I think about how mm -hmm. deeply fucked that story yeah. is, you know, true or not or whatever. It's like he murdered her husband and then made her marry him. Like, she had no say in this matter and everyone's just like, and I know that Christians talk about it as this, like, the one slight against David. It's like the one <laughs> thing he did wrong. But still, it all in God's timing. They ended I mean, up together and it's all. They're not investigating the David-Jonathan relationship very Oh, yeah, much, those two so. loved each other. 100%. They spent a lot of time in caves together, guys. Like, a lot. <laughs> A lot of it. Bathsheba was just a cover. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he uh, has I don't a know. beard. He might be pan. Let's celebrate our, our woke king, sure. David. I'm not, I'm not about to, uh, you know, David's in charge of his own sexuality. Yeah, I'm not about him. to like to, tell y'all what he is or isn't. But yeah, I just felt. And then like lastly, going into like being a woman with a body and a woman who got boobs, I think the 
the most messaging I just heard is that my body is bad, that mm-hmm. I need to hide it, that it I am a stumbling block, that I am a problem, and the lust isn't a guy's problem, it's my problem. And yeah. I just heard that over and over again. It's funny, I was telling my husband, getting prepared for this episode, what I wore today, and he was like, wait, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm wearing spaghetti <gasps> straps. Spaghetti, spaghetti straps? Spaghetti straps? And he was like, you? he was like, wait, why was that a that was a problem. I was like, yeah, look at these shoulders. Oh, <laughs> I and he was like, he was like, hog. wait, so sh- he was like, shoulders were too sexy. My poor husband, who was not raised. Shoulders are so hot. I don't know what look he's at, talking about. Look at these. So I'm just Check saying, I was waiting, out. I was waiting to show you all like how far I have fallen. Um, and I just, to all you out there, I just need you to know this was not allowed. I didn't wear spaghetti straps for a really long time. I think at my Christian high school, it was, I think it was a two inch rule. Your straps had to be two inches thick. Two inches thick? That's like yeah. a toughie like I'm wearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so just called a shirt. That's, that's the shirt, shirt I was a long raised with. shirt. Cap uh-huh. sleeve. Uh-huh. See, I too was not allowed to wear spaghetti straps, but I do have to say I'm not wearing them right now. And I want all of our listeners to know that Lindsay is literally Jezebel right now. So <laughs> there's so much shoulder happening. Another it's hero really in the Bible. I looked up Jezebel today and like in advance of this episode, I was like, what did she do again? Why is she like the paragon of evil? And hold on. What was the quote I saw? I was I was dying. Um Jezebel was a Phoenician royal whose identity and name have come to signify a power-hungry, violent, and whorish woman. <laughs> oh, me. If we could That's only all like be her. If we I could only all be Jezebel. I, the Jezebel in me recognizes the Jezebel in you. And that's, Thank you. I received that. Yeah, good. And I hope we're all eaten by dogs just like she was when she died. <laughs> May that be your final resting place in a I dog's gotta, tummy. I don't think you <laughs> beverage in my mouth. I'm going to spit it all over my mic. We don't have Woo. any. Yeah. So you're saying we don't have any really good biblical characters, characters that I was, that's how I'm going to call it, role models for women, aside mm-hmm. from those who are submissive to their husband and or those who are fighting on behalf of Israel, like Deborah. And I liked her too. She was like, the ones that were my favorite were the ones that were transgressive, of course. Mm. It's just, I was born that way. And I loved Deborah because she lured a man in with her suck for feminine wiles. And then like, Mm -hmm. instead of fucking him, she just pegs, pegs or she might've, and then pegs his head down to the ground with a tent peg. That's great. I love that story. It's amazing. But, but like, here's also the confusing thing, like with the Mary and Martha later on, like we're all told to be this Proverbs 31 woman and to do all this housework and then fucking Martha does this and then gets like called out for it. Yeah. She's not worshiping in Jesus' feet. She's being too much of a busybody. So like, what is it that you actually want from us? Like, oh, are we supposed I th- to be homemakers? Or I think are that we su- was the messages that I got were really confusing. They were that exact same thing except playing out in real time in front of me because my mom did work outside of the home. She worked primarily in Christian, nonprofit, Christian adjacent places. But, you know, she came out of the 70s and women's liberation. She didn't get married till her late 20s. And so, you know, she was a, quote, liberated woman. She still, though, had to do all the homemaker all the housekeeping, all the wife duties and the mother duties, plus she worked a full-time job. So she really, I think, you know, to me, it was similar lens. I I grew up thinking I could be anything I want. Of course, I was going to work. I could be a mom and have a great career and just have everything because um, I guess I, I thought my mom's life was really successful. Like I saw her as doing the thing that a modern woman could do. And that was like the furthest from the truth. I think it wasn't until I had my own kid and realized I was working full time and I was managing the home and I was doing the shopping and the housework and all of these extra things, not because my husband was not a good partner, but because we both just kind of fell into these gender roles. And it wasn't until um, really him and I started to have the conversation about like, what are what are we actually good at? And what things can we become good at? And how can we contribute in ways that feel more equal? 
Uh, but as a kid, feminism was a bad word. Feminists were horrible, man-hating. Um, I mean, I heard a lot of bad things about them, mostly that they were lesbians, um, that they hated all men, that they were trying to be men, um, replace men. Um, really, it was more about like this idea that women just could not function in the same ways that men could. And so therefore, when women tried to function in those ways, they were not feminine. And so this distinction for me between the feminine, uh, the womanliness, and that kind of butch vibe, I guess, the the tomboy, the the lesbian, uh, the feminazi, the as feminazi. mentioned. Yep. Well, Those so were negative. the women. Yeah, they were angry women, and they were women to be afraid of, and they were power hungry, and they like hated men, and they wanted to like be in charge, God forbid, you know? <laughs> Can I just tell you, I actually identify with like 100% of those points at this point, and I've realized how far I have also fallen. I don't hate <laughs> men exactly, but I don't know. I've tried to raise too many adult men, and I just can't, I can't handle it. It's like I'd when be. you have a baby and you're like, oh, shit, I am also married to a baby. I can't. How do I manage all of this? I'd be great with them, like, not being in charge ever yes. again. I'd be really good with that. I mean, yeah, I they just could be around. Like, if maybe we could have some diplomacy and some compromise instead of just getting our guns out and shooting at each other. I don't know. It just seems like well, a thing just- to try they're so hysterical, you know, and when it's men that time are. of the month, they just really, men get so, you know, they don't think logically anymore. They they're just no. thinking with those dicks. And-, and you know what is also so challenging is that they don't bleed. So we have no indication. Mm. There's no way that outwardly we can like peg it on their time of the month. We have to just, you know, like get really nitty gritty in charting their monthly cycle. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to use my Clue app to track men's cycles from now on instead of my own. Yay! Well, I'm curious, though, like with all these mixed messages, including the empowering ones, you know, from some people in your family. And and honestly, I always felt that way, too. Like I got a lot of encouragement. I was, you know, allowed slash encouraged to go lead worship when I was 10. You know, it was it was generally looked upon as a good thing when I was doing that kind of stuff. But I also know it wasn't for all the other reasons. And so I don't know, like, what did you think about yourself when you were that age and getting all these messages? Did you think, oh, I need to be more submissive? Did you, you know, what was your kind of, how did you grapple with that stuff? It was really hard for me to grapple with because I have always been a type A oldest daughter leader I have always wanted to work. I always wanted a career. And I really felt very lost going into, like, I knew I wanted to get a degree, um, always wanted it to be in, like, public relations, communications, marketing. I wanted to work in the music industry. And, but I just, I did that knowing, like, I can do this for a time. And I thought at the time that I never wanted children because I, I truly did not know how to have a career and have children. It was not modeled for me. But the, all the women, my grandma, my mom, like the women in my life didn't do that. And so I was just like, I, I guess it's not possible. I don't think you can have both children in a career. And because of the messaging I was told, if you put your kids in daycare, you know, like they'll be ritually mom. abused because everyone, everyone who runs <laughs> oh, a daycare God. is a satanic mm-hmm. panic participant. God, yeah, I forgot about that. So yeah, it was just really, I I think that I knew I was going to have to make my own way. And that was terrifying and also exciting. And I think that like, whether or not this was true, my perception of motherhood was that I was going to have to lose parts of myself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in Christianity, especially, being a mother was the highest calling of a woman. And so for me to actively say like, I don't, think that I want this. I didn't say it out loud ever. It was no. just something in my in my heart because I knew how much I was excited to work and I knew I was good at shit. And I was so afraid that like if I had a kid that I was going to have to lose myself and I didn't want to lose myself. And so like 
it was a it took me a long time like when i got married i told my husband that i didn't want to have kids we thought we were going to either do foster care or maybe adoption but i was just like the thought of and i was having a really hard time figuring out how to be a mother and a feminist because i was like Mm -hmm. as if i'm having a biological child that i'm holding in my body like i'm sorry that's not fucking equal like we don't get a share in that equally like this is my body that we are doing this to and i had to wrap my brain around how do i be a feminist and be a mom i didn't know how to because my husband was like we'll get up in the night and feed them i'm like it's not fucking equal it's not yeah and of course, like how now- are you gonna feed this baby with my breast milk that i still have to fucking get out of my body <laughs> pull out of my body yeah <laughs> Jesus. Like, yeah so it, yeah it was a long and confusing journey it was one of the parts of my life that like i feel like there have been certain things i've been really clear on and the journey to motherhood was really muddled for me and which was tricky because again i was like oh am i not being like and I think, frankly, because of the messages that were told to me, I don't think I liked being a woman all that much. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, my whole life, I acted like a man to get ahead. I put down my feelings. I have been competitive because I was I see how to succeed in this world. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've had to fight against some of those parts of myself. And I will say motherhood has been an incredible journey for me and has tapped into parts of myself that I didn't know I have. And I didn't lose myself. And it is possible, but I also do not think it is for everyone and do not think it is a woman's highest calling. So Agreed. that, yeah. 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 I relate a lot to what you just said, Lindsay. I felt the same way. I remember asking my mom questions when I was like 10, 11, because that's when I started really thinking about it. I was probably 10 or 11. And I was like, Mom, why do people have kids? Like, this doesn't look fun for you. It seems like you're not enjoying it very much. And she's <laughs> like, because we're supposed to have babies and populate the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And then our mm-hmm. babies grow up and have more. And I'm like, ew, what? That's so pointless. Do you not see how pointless that is? <laughs> she's like, no, that's that's what we get to do. And I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, and like not for me, thanks. I definitely at that same time was like, why does everybody act like boys are better than girls? I'm smarter than every fucking boy I know, like by far, and better at things and able to create stuff and move things forward. I think I was always like a feminist without ever being able to say that. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is like I look back at myself in all of my ages and I'm just like oh no I was still like subverting shit then and I didn't know that I thought I was being like really compliant but I was just like secretly having these other beliefs and I didn't want to have my own kids either like from that age I was like yeah that's dumb like I could do foster care I can adopt and I did end up having biological children later like in my 30s um and that was when I was ready like it was fine Mm -hmm. I I did Mm -hmm. think like it would be kind of weird to get old and not have a family but I guess that's what I'll do. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I think motherhood is a facet of who I am and what I get to be in the world. And it's taught me lots of things. And it has evolved my belief systems and my faith in lots of different ways as well. Um, But it isn't the thing I am. I don't like we say in our tagline, a podcast about deconstruction with your middle aged mom friends. And we've also had lots of funny conversations about like none of us identify as moms first, you know, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it kind of works. I mean, it works with the podcast, but yeah, it's you're not, not going to find we are. wife, comma, mother, comma, whatever in our Instagram no. bios. Like, <laughs> Guess what? We are women. You get to be identified by things other than your relationships to other fucking people, okay? So, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. let's maybe stop identifying ourselves as, like, I'm this person's mom, and I'm a sister, and I'm an auntie. Like, (laughs) no, you're a person. uh, What is it? It's the, like, if you can't pass the Bechdel test on your own fucking Instagram bio, there's, like, (laughs) there's a problem. (laughs) That's right. I like that. Oh, I get it. Good. (laughs) Um, the Bechdel test, in case you don't know what it is, is watching any movie and seeing two women have a conversation and counting how many times they have conversations together that aren't about men. And uh, that basically yeah, there needs to be two tales. named two named women, yeah. two and named those na- characters, names. yeah, two yeah. named female characters who have a conversation with each other not relating to a man. And it is amazing how rare that is. Oh, my God. I just realized 13 going on 30 is so feminist because there are a lot of conversations about a magazine and not men. So thank you so much, Jennifer Garner, so many years ago. I think for me, it was like growing up feeling that duality of you can be anything. You're so smart. You're, you know, similar to Lynn's, just like getting good grades, doing all the best things, following all the rules, complying with everyone. Um, I was on a trajectory to just, you know, when you're a really good Christian girl, it means you're going to grow up to be a really good Christian woman. 
slash wife's slash mother. And so that was the trajectory. And getting married at 20, a month into our marriage, people started asking when we were going to have kids. And I was like, I can't buy alcohol. Why (laughs) would I? They're like, that's fine. You shouldn't drink while you're pregnant anyway. So I really just always yeah. put these like up again. I, I'm like, even the government says I'm not equipped to do certain things. So like just because my body can make a baby, is that really, you know, the goal? Um, but the answer was yes. If you're going to have sex, the goal is to make a baby. Well, sex and, can't be for fun or enjoyment. So, you know, oh, gosh, driven no. sex. That's <laughs> a Warren book if I ever heard it. <laughs> I wanted to be a mom. Like I liked the idea. There were a lot of years in my 20s where I kind of went back and forth. Actually, at one point, my brother had let my mom know that he had a vasectomy because he said, I can not accidentally adopt a kid, but I can accidentally (laughs) make one. True. Uh, And so, you know, when he was allowed to, I think he had to be 25, 26 uh, before the medical people would allow him to do a completely reversible birth control method uh, and Mm. getting a vasectomy. But when that happened, I realized all of my mother's hopes and dreams of being a grandmother then fell to me. And since I had been married and, you know, was a really good Christian girl, that was the expectation. And so because of some early trauma in my life, I was really scared to get pregnant. And I told my mom, like, we're not going to have a baby. My husband and I were young in our 20s. We had no business being parents, frankly. And we both were like, yeah, I don't think this is for us. Like, I just, I don't see how this is like the purpose or what we should be doing right now. Uh, And so I had to call my mom and be like, I need you to not have your identity wrapped into being a grandparent because I cannot promise that. That was a lot. Because I think, you know, even though my mom did work outside of the home, she did have a lot of her identity in being a wife and a mother because those were so uplifted and and glorified and praised. And so, the of course. only thing women get praised for, really, is yes. And or so, if you're, like, allowed to be in leadership, it's you're so good at leading your small group of middle schoolers. Like, it's, <laughs> but it's still mothering, you know, it's like mothering adjacent a little bit. You know, or like big sistering or whatever, it's still relatable. Like it still goes back to a role of a woman. Yeah, it's like we know that you can nurture well, so that's your only role in the your life. Um, so I I ended up having a I would call it a yearning to be a mother. I had this thing in me that just I was like obsessed. So for almost a year, every day in my calendar, I would write down yes or no. Yes, would this be a day that I am like enthusiastic and want to be a mother? Or is this a day that I was like, there's no possible way I could ever do this? I was working full time. I was was starting a whole new career. And I, after a year of that, went to my husband and said, look, this is this is real for me. This is a desire I have. This is a want I have. I want to create life, uh, bring life into this world, and I want to nurture another person. And so we... Uh, we decided to to do that. We had one, and that is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> having having a baby and completely changing everything about your body, your life, your hormones, your mental state, your sleep, it, it affects absolutely every part of your life, not just when your baby is born, but from the moment that, for me, I considered wanting to get pregnant. I got off birth control for a full year. I changed my diet. I changed like all the things I was doing to my body to create a space that would that would be positive and nurturing uh, to create new life. And and it did um it did just throw my entire life out. It did. It just I think changed me at from such a fundamental place. Uh, revealed to me all of these things about myself that I didn't know before, um, gave me a lot of empathy for my body uh, and what I had put my body through my whole life. But it was not my entire identity. It just will never be. It, it can't be. It's to be diminished down to a single role uh, is something that is so 
devastating to me as a human, how much I even just don't know about my own capabilities and to think that everyone externally was already shutting down every potential thing that I could contribute to the world and that I had one role and one purpose. But at the same time, the health the healthcare I received was not great. The maternity time that I had was not great. I was not supported from culturally or from community or from anyone. Um, it was like once you cross the threshold of insemination, that motherhood, that caretaking of the woman becomes neglect almost. It, it's, I don't know if you guys experienced a similar thing um, when you got pregnant, but it is really striking to me how much we raise up the motherhood uh, role in a woman's life, and yet we completely diminish and destroy the actual woman. Yeah, because it's not about the woman. You're just a husk to bring a, an alien life form back into this cult that you're in. I mean, like, that's actually really true, is that it's not really about you as a person. It's about the child. And then everything in your life becomes about the child. And I think that's one big reason why I I know for me, and we've talked about this kind of stuff a lot, like, I think, especially in the discipline episode, actually, where our parents over-identified with us in that they thought that we were an extension of them mm -hmm. so much that they had to spank us and break our spirits so that we'd be obedient and that we would be compliant and all of that stuff. I think that kind of parenthood is really exhausting, uh, but it's also hard because we don't give space. Like I'm thinking even the full reproductive cycle, like periods can be extremely mm -hmm. painful for people. Um, you can have all kinds of things going on in your reproductive organs that make your life miserable. And yet we still show up and we still go to work and we still do all the things that we're supposed to do. Even though we're in great pain, we might be, you know, having to take breaks just to <laughs> double over and weep <laughs> about what's going on in our mm -hmm. bodies. Mm -hmm. I hated being pregnant because it made me slow down and I didn't feel like I could work as much. And I was like yeah. resentful about not being able to be as much of a workaholic as I'd been before. Same. I remember like baby brain, like just losing oh, God, thoughts yeah. and being unable to communicate and being so frustrated. And instead of saying, I think my body and my brain are telling me that I need mm -hmm. some rest, I doubled down with it and was like, I'll just work harder and longer and take less breaks because I'm not functioning at my full level. That's yeah, really I sad. I didn't tell a lot of people that I was pregnant because I didn't want them to change their view of me and mm -hmm. I didn't want them to see my productivity as different. I remember I lied to a few people about it um, because the, the crazy thing to me is that we are supposedly the society that values motherhood and like especially christians like this is your ultimate goal is to be a mom but then when you actually look at it like the way that mothers and especially small children are treated in american society fucking treat like garbage like yeah. go on an airplane and see how yeah. like i hate okay this is a little little rant i'm gonna do i fucking hate those little bags that moms feel like they have to make mm -hmm. with the little note that like, has like get candy for some adult yeah. like fuck right. you and it has dude. like earplugs uh -uh. and a sucker whatever to like bribe people not to be mad if their baby cries mm -mm. newsflash babies fucking cry and you know they're what they're talking like, to you they're literally the communicating yes yeah I, I saw someone the other day tweeting about like a, a conservative person that was talking about how like small children shouldn't be allowed on airplanes. Yeah, I've seen and I was that like, And you're the party that wants, you want to save the babies, but then we're just not allowed to go anywhere with them. Well, right I think we also know that they don't want to see them or women until long after they've been conceived. Like, they're not useful to capitalism until they're at least until they able can to work. work. Until they're 10, and then they can start working and making oh, yeah. a family. <laughs> Yes. Isn't that the new thing conservatives are on? Let the children work. We children need, need to. They love it. They want to pull themselves up by their tiny bootstraps. Let's do it, people. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just, it's so like the demand for women to be mothers, but then the literal zero support. Like you yes. want people to have more babies and to choose to be mothers, then fucking provide maternity leave oh! and paternity leave. Provide 
healthcare. I had a baby for free. And that's part of one of the reasons why, because in Oregon, we have the Oregon Health Plan. And, you know, which like all American healthcare has its problems, but it is pretty rad for pregnant women and new mothers. Um, You're pretty much accepted Mm -hmm. if you are a pregnant woman. And so... To be able to just go to the doctor when I needed to, to not have that fear, to have a, like, it, I know a lot of people say that they don't understand maybe the arguments for abortion until they have a child. And it was very true for me. And even right after having her, I don't think I fully grasped it, but just like that I was able to, I didn't go into debt. Mm-hmm. I had a child when I was 34 years old in a secure relationship. I had her when I wanted to. Um, we were financially stable, like all all of these things. And it's like, what a gift, you know, that mm-hmm. I got to do motherhood on my terms when I wanted to. And it was like, and for for me, I had a pretty great experience. I had pretty excellent pregnancy. I had a great labor, like all of these things. And even then, still the hardest shit I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it changed my body and my brain chemistry and my libido in ways that I will never, like, I will never There is no back turning back. back. Yeah. No. <laughs> and that's a lot to ask of people and especially call it as this great, the great calling for women. And I know, like, we're releasing this episode on Mother's Day for a reason. And I don't know if you guys are, I have such distinct memories of Mother's Day in church. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what a day it was to celebrate the women. And like, mm-hmm. I know in like, as later years gone on, they did like, I don't think this was always, but I remember at a certain point, it was like any woman. Yeah. Gets, it was always a carnation. They gave you a, a I carnation. Know. It was always the a worst carnation. Just flower. <laughs> I mean, roses. Give me you had to sit there better. holding it. <laughs> But like uh-uh. so funny to me that that was it. Like you guys have done such a good job. All you moms, here's a fucking sad flower. Here you go. The ugliest. <laughs> but flower. like please. at a certain point, it was like all women. All because yeah. you're all mothers of some sort. And I was like, you don't fucking mean that. Like no. you're just pandering at this point, like to make people. But it's such a. It's an American thing. It's a Christian thing. But yeah, the the asking the questions. When are you going to have a baby? Like all all of the, it's so expected of mm-hmm. women. It is none of people's damn business. And I say this like, I mean, it's not just Christians because if any of you watch Love is Blind, fucking Vanessa Lachey, Jeez. lay off people. She, I don't know if you guys saw, in the new Love is Blind, she we did literally it, asked no. every, okay, she just, this one's No spoiling. spoilers. She's, I'm not spoiling anything. She just over- and over again, ask each couple. So, are you gonna have a baby? When are you gonna have a baby? Auntie Vanessa needs babies, and I was like, Oh my hey. gosh! I was like, You don't know any of their. What if they're yeah. unable to? What if they don't want to? I get it all the time, like a lot with having. Are you gonna have a second child? Mm-hmm. And I always make it a little bit because we weren't sure, and we did the thing where we just didn't use birth control for a couple years, and I was like, I'm just gonna let like nature decide, and it didn't happen, and I got to an age where I was like. I don't want to be pregnant at this age. I don't remember. It was like 38, 39. I was like, damn, too old. And so then I got an IUD put in. And it's one of those things where like, do you really want me to tell you that? That like we we had a lot of sex for a while and a baby didn't happen. And <laughs> right. then I just decided. Yeah. Like, yeah. How it, much information are you looking for I mean, like in this question? A good answer to that question is, oh, I'd love to share that with you. What are your reproductive plans in your life? <laughs> Need to uh, do that. Are you planning I, to get a vasectomy or has anyone you... asked a man his reproductive plans? No, Is that never? No, never. Because you can just do whatever you want when you're a man, and you can get someone pregnant until you fucking die if you're a man. Right? Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I can also just yeah. have one child, and it's fine. You know, like, oh god. Yeah, anyways, yeah. I had one child, me. and and then everyone gave me the like guilt trip of you know they're going to be so lonely and I can't believe you're not going to give them a sibling and how dare you. And I was like, at what point do you get to stop having opinions about what I do with my body? Oh, sorry. You're a lady. And at church, you literally, that is never until you are in heaven. Got it. And then we still have opinions about you, but we just write them in the obituary (laughs) or say them in the eulogy and use it as an opportunity to do an altar call by scaring all your friends that they'll never see you again if they don't accept Jesus today because you're going to be in heaven waiting for them with open arms and they're going to just be like, actually, I never want to see Meg again. I'm going to go to hell instead. Like... I want, Meg's, I want Meg's eulogy to be, here lies Meg. She chose to only have one 
child and <laughs> that will forever be a stain on her legacy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to go back to it, like it, it took me a really long time when I wanted to get pregnant. It took me a really long time to get pregnant. I was 29 and I thought like, oh my gosh, all my eggs are dried up. Like what's going on? I had been on birth control for almost 10 years and had no concept. This is the other thing. My purity culture upbringing taught me nothing about hormones or cycle or how eggs drop and work. And I just had no concept. So when I wanted to get pregnant, it was like this entire re-education for myself um, or first-time education about how to actually get pregnant. Um, because all I was taught was the the goal is don't get pregnant, and the way you do that is abstinence. And that's just not helpful information when you're then 29, been married for almost 10 years, and you really want to have a baby. So I got really scared. It was like six to eight months it took for us to get pregnant. And eventually, I found out that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome, that I had endometriosis. I ended up getting a hysterectomy, complete hysterectomy, and saved my life, uh, honestly. And through all of that, like when someone asks me, are you going to have another baby? The medical reasons why that was, one, really challenging for me in the first place to have a successful pregnancy. And then two, how much it, my body was like almost against the idea and how challenging it was for me and my height, um, the amount of stress that it put on my joints and my body. Like I just, it's really, really disheartening that we think as a society that it's okay to ask these kinds of questions without knowing anything about the person um, because we think that it's their duty because yeah. they're mm -hmm. a woman. And that we have a right to know. Mm -hmm. And that, like, you can touch a pregnant belly that of a mm -hmm. person you don't fucking know if you're in public with them. Like, all of these things are and you are not, and you're not allowed to breastfeed and show your breast oh if you God. are nursing an actual human baby. Yeah, you get arrested or something for indecent exposure. Like, give me a fucking break, yeah, baby crazy Christians. Okay, um, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mean to all Christians. <clears throat> you, I mean. It's like, fine. I'm not offended. <laughs> this Christian is not offended. So. Not the ones who are like pro-woman and you other guys, people. That's fine. A uh, little fun story. My One of my best friends in the whole world, when she was pregnant, I will, I will never forget the story. She was in the grocery store and like an old white guy came up to her and just looks at her and he goes, he's like, try green tea leaves. He's like, for the tearing. <gasps> just... <laughs> Just told her. I'm sorry. And then a like stranger in a mm -hmm. supermarket talking about her vajay in the Terry. middle of the day. He's, he's a stranger open. so concerned about her perineum. Like, thank mm -hmm. you, sir. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. So the, yeah. The, the, the things that like people feel like, yeah, something with like pregnancy and babies too, everyone just feels like, well, it, I, it gets to be Your my public business. property. Other than, other than the breastfeeding, you're right. That's like my, my stepfather-in-law wouldn't stay. He would leave the room. And I would oh, yeah. breastfeed with a cover in my own home when he was <laughs> around. Oh, and yeah. he would then have to, and I, he like grew up in the South. He was always like, I'm just a Southern boy. And I'm like, I have to feed my child in my house. Like, I'm not trying Do to Do Southern women not nurse babies? I just, I'm like, what is going on? They're just very, they have a backward cape like I had to wear then. Mm -hmm. Like they make those specifically for breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. And I used it for, with my first kid, and then with my second I hated kid, them. I was like, "Fuck this! I hate this." He's and they always made me my hot. kid would always hot. pull it off. Yes, yes. like yes. And I'm just like, he you didn't know what? Like if it. you happen to catch a glimpse of a nip, you're welcome. There's I think probably going to be they, milk spilling out of it. I think it's yes. actually because of the sexualization of boobs, though, that like yeah. men are grossed out by a baby suckling because they're like, "Oh, I'd like to use those for my sexual pleasure instead of having to watch this gross baby eat." Like. <laughs> it is that. I mean, it really is a lot. It's not cultural conditioning. It's just God-given instinct for one man to pick one woman and to build a family in American society. That's the original plan that God had for our lives. <laughs> it's just, I, there's so many like little, there's so many things I just want to like, 
get so frustrated with this. And it's something we've all been fighting against. And I, I think about these like little micro comments I've gotten in my life. Like I have been the primary income earner for my family for mm-hmm. pretty much the entirety of our marriage. And that's because I wanted to. And it worked out. It just worked out better that way. My husband stayed home with my kid a lot. There was a contract I took one summer. I was traveling a lot and he would like fly out and meet me at some of the event sites. And so I still got like plenty of family time, but it worked. It's worked really well for us. And also I didn't take my husband's last name and he has a hyphenated last name. And I always plan to hyphenate because I like my name. I like being Lindsay Stranigan. And but then I had to go marry the one motherfucker who had a hyphen last name. And I was like, I can't do the double hyphen. Like, that is too much. And it's a lot of letters. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. And so then he was like, just don't take it. It's fine. I don't care. And I was like, oh, you don't. Great. I thought it was going to be a fight. It was not a fight. He was just like, don't. So I remember we were going to like an evangelical church at the time. And I remember people actually asking, like after we got married, you know, oh, whatever, the Ely elders. I was like, oh, no, I'm not an Ely elder. I'm still stranding it. And I had one guy who was like on church leadership. He was like, you you can do that? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, oh, I just like, you didn't take his name. I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a thing that people can do. Like just he was a genuinely genuinely confused by that and I was like wow oh okay we it's not even really that big of a deal like it was just like one quick conversation it has never come up again like when we had our kid it was like a little bit of a oh hey does she need to have my name as like maybe a second middle name for documentation purposes that's it that's the only problem it's ever caused us so uh to all the young people yeah to all the young people listening to this just kidding i don't think there's young people that listen to this but if you're gonna get married don't i mean some people who are young love love a middle-aged mom friend so maybe they do if you are any person listening to this and you are a woman or you know women or you've ever thought you might like to know a woman uh, I would really love for all of us to be aware of the Equal Rights Amendment. It's not going to fix everything ever, but it's going to be give us a different basis of rights. It could be something that could provide people of all genders a lot more protection uh, because, you know, we're seeing a lot of attra- attacks on gay folks. We're seeing a lot of attacks on kids who are trans, which is so gross. Like, give me so a break. Gross. It's it's really upsetting. So I'll say right now, like Phyllis Schlafly's organization, Concerned Women for America, still exists and they're still doing their thing. And right now they're standing with female athletes. Mm. I wonder if we can understand why that would be. Because <laughs> um, they've you been why. so supportive of female athletes in the past. You yeah. Know? They have, haven't they? Mm, oh, it's they so consistent. Lo- they love it when women go. Let me, spoiler alert. Female athletes um, oftentimes prolong being mothers or aren't mothers because it's really hard to do both things. How can you? Getting pregnant is like the most extremely difficult thing that a person well, can do. Well, and okay. also, good job, all of you. Gone, we haven't even gotten into like maternal health care in our country. Like oh, yeah. fucking the Serena no. Williams of the world, man. Like she's expected to be the goat and then almost dies giving mm-hmm. birth to a child because they didn't listen to her. So you guys, there's of course. a lot of reasons why people don't become others in this country. And I just want to leave, don't expect it of women. Like it is, it doesn't make you a better human, a better woman. If you want to do it, please do. Motherhood can be a gift. It can be awesome. But you know what? It's also a pain in the ass. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it is. And speaking of truth, it is not for everybody. It's not. No, it's not. And it is That's not true. a higher calling, and it doesn't make you a better fucking person. So happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and don't have kids if you really don't want to. Like, seriously, I'm giving you all the permission in the world to not bring in children who are going to suffer under your rule, okay? It's good for you to not have kids if you don't want them. That's shocking, but true. I would like us all to look at and support efforts to make the world a safer place for women uh, and people who are trans and people who are LGBTQ plus, et cetera. We need it. We really do, because what we're seeing right now is like the same stories as we were fed in the 70s and early 80s, all through the fucking 90s. We're having the same resurgence, a big fat backlash of conservatism, of oppression, of elevating white men above and beyond all other humans. And this is this is not the time nor the place. So how about we just not 
do that. And uh, we can all get involved in lots of different ways. If you want to know about legislative advocacy and how to lobby your own representatives, um, I can post, I'll post a little bit about that in our Instagram um, and a little bit more about the Equal Rights Amendment and the efforts to still continue trying to pass that shit. Uh, I think it should happen. And I'm happy that there's not a deadline necessarily at this time. So it's been a hundred years. I mean, we can keep doing it for another hundred or we could just stop being idiots. Uh, I think that feels like it my right. choice. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I think if a hundred years ago they could come up with this and it was a good idea then, like, guys, it's time. Let's Still go. Still a good idea. Still a good idea. <laughs> As women who have done a lot of work in some predominantly male-led industries, uh, I know that we have shaped and reshaped ourselves. Lindsay, you talked about kind of assimilating to maleness and uh, taking on some personality traits that could help you get further along in male-dominated places. And uh, I know Sarai and I have, have done that as well. And I'm sure so many of our listeners have found themselves in, in places where they have diminished themselves as women uh, just to be safe, really, in, in these environments. And one thing that I have been challenging myself to do that I would love for everyone to take a minute to do is to really be in tune with who you are, with your femininity, with your nurturing nature, with just the the fact that whether or not you create a life here on earth, that you have this innate ability within you, that you were designed to bring life and however you bring that life, whether it's through your work, through the way you love people, through your community, through being a parent, there are so many ways that we can bring our nurturing selves to the world. And frankly, I would love to see more women have that opportunity to not just be in positions of power, but to be in positions of power where they can truly be themselves, where they can bring their true femininity to that role and not have to assimilate uh, and become more of what's considered normal, which is white and male. And so as we can be empowered within ourselves, I think that we will be able to have that confidence to go out and truly make shifts happen in the world around us. Because when we show up in our true power, in our nurturing, nurturing power, it it's a different kind of feeling to be around that instead yeah. of power that's for self-aggrandizement. It is also really valuable for us to recognize that we have masculine and feminine energies, mm -hmm. and those are all good and important things. Like we, we do have masculine sides. Everyone is a mix of and match of all of these things. But I think what what I hear from you, Meg, is it resonates with me in that I did suppress my femininity entirely. Mm -hmm for almost my whole life until I was like 35. And so, you know, only in the last seven or eight years have I been able to even let myself want to be a woman slash feel into that part of myself. I didn't, I never was allowed to do that before because it was too risky. Mm -hmm. Like even my female boss, when I got pregnant for the second time, responded with, oh, do you want to become a stay-at-home mom? And I was like, um. What part of having met me makes you think that's what I'm doing here? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. When I got pregnant, I had a uh, someone uh, in my life who said, oh, their re first reaction was, oh, and I had such high hopes for you. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, that's, that's not making uh, all the fears that I had about motherhood just come right up to the surface. Uh, but I think that it's like thinking back, like – the reason why we, I think, denied a lot of our like feminine selves is that, uh, at least for me, I wasn't praised for that. I was, I remember mm -hmm. I was praised for being a tomboy. I remember I could go fishing. I knew how to like gut a salmon. I mean, I lived in Alaska at the time, but like whenever I did those things, I was praised. I was yeah. like put on this pedestal of like, look at how not girly she is oh, and yeah. look how, how tough I was, how little I cry. I mean, I still to this day, I mean, I had a therapist once tell me like, am I the Pro is am I the problem here that you don't cry in therapy? Do you not feel safe with me? And I was like, oh no, I just don't feel safe crying anywhere. The pandemic like changed that for me. I, now I just oh. 
the tears yeah. started coming in 2020 and they just haven't stopped. So that's, that's probably a good thing. Uh, yeah. I do love this, but like reconnecting with ourselves, right? Reconnecting yeah. with both our feminine and our masculine and finding that combination within each one of us that is truly who we are and, and not having to diminish one to raise the other, but to really yeah. have this coexistence within ourselves. And the more that we can bring that femininity out in us, I think the more we showcase it, that it's not fragile, it's not hysterical. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of power that comes with that feminine femininity. And I really want that to bubble over to the males in my life. I want them to recognize the femininity within them, the nurturing within them, the things that are going to also nourish the male people in my life um, when they can embrace fully who they are. So this is, this is to me, that that is feminism. It's about not just equality where I want women to be raised up. I really, truly look at this as equality for all people, all genders, that if we can actually get to the point where we don't ask questions about what thing is between your legs and that that defines who you are and how you can show up in the world. Like what a beautiful way to 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 coexist. And that's my challenge uh is to embody all the parts of me and to embrace and and encourage people around me to also embody every part of who they are. Yes. I love it. Yep. Damn straight. Yep. We are holy ghosting. If you want to support our show, please go to Patreon, patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Holy Ghosting, and you'll find us there. I'll be honest, we're not like super, super duper overachievers at posting extra content, but your support has meant that we've been able to hire an editor, which is saving us a lot of time and making it a lot easier for us to do this show. Uh, and we want to continue doing it because we're finding an audience that is a lot like us and a lot of folks who are at different phases of being bi curious in the evangelical church and or who already left or in the process of trying to dismantle something that is no longer for them. So thank you for helping other people experience that. And um, we're really glad that you found us too. And we're really happy you're here, whether or not you can give us $5 a month for the podcast. So thank you. But for if you can. Here. We really appreciate it, and it helps. And again, we hired an editor, y'all. That feels big and real, Yay! and it's because of our Patreon community. So thank you. Also, make sure you follow us. We have a pretty rad Facebook group going right now, which has uh, capabilities. You can be anonymous and post things on there. We get into some good discussions. We're also on TikTok and Instagram. So uh, with all sorts of rant, you know, we, we give little goodies, little different. Oh, and YouTube. We're everywhere, guys. Oh, yeah. Wherever you want to find Holy Ghosting. You can. Thus saith the Lord. The, the Lord. The, the female Lord. Lord. Favorite thing about my priest is that when she prays, she says, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. Fucking, I wish God had been told to me that God was a mother when I was growing mm -hmm. up. Like, I wish that that was a way that I could have pictured God because I think it would have made a lot more sense. And uh, like... That, uh, can I just say that... You saying that gave me that like Holy Spirit chills, you know, that thing of just like when you know that is truth, when when you talk about that maternal mm -hmm. godliness, yeah. it's like yeah. that's, that's the, the comfort. That's yes. the nurture. Yes. That's the love that I want to be wrapped in. And I it makes me sad that that was like never a thing that we were told. Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.